two, one, and welcome to Peak PT Studio podcast with myself, Rich Higgins, David Lewis Charlton, and Josh Jurieff. How are we doing, guys? Well, well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Good weekend. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty fun packed with our Red Spider Social. Yeah, pretty active. I got three Ooh. feet up in the air. <laughs> I'm not Conquered your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> smacked it. We're going to go back next week and get both feet off the floor. <laughs> no, <laughs> no <fun shit. laughs> That will be restricted by calf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toe on the ground. <laughs> Anyone got any unusual aches and pains from climbing today? Forearms all right, fingers all right? I've just seen you walk over there and you, you know, you, you're a bit sore. So how about you? Uh, no, I'm all good. Oh. All good. Legs a little bit stiff from running, oh. and ankle a bit stiff from running. But yeah, all all right. Forearms are a little bit tender. I think they'll come through in a, a day or two. <laughs> but yeah, not too bad. Finger tip toms. Finger grip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my bag's covered in chalk, so I look like some gnarly outdoor person. Me too, but not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, today we're talking about nutrition. We've titled this the nutrition episode and we're going to try and objectively go through a bit of the, I guess, the background, the numbers, the science behind nutrition, setting up a diet plan. We'll get a little bit into implementation, but not too deep into the weeds on that kind of stuff and too many specific diet protocols. We want to talk a little bit at the about the how much, when, where, all that kind of stuff first to give a bit of a backdrop to it before we get into actual implementation. First off though, over to Josh Jurieff, we've got Mythbusters. We have got Mythbusters. Cue the jingle. Ding, 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 ling, ling. Ah, ding, ling, ling. There we go. Yeah, ding, yeah. Jingle. <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, why not? Um, yeah, Mythbusters this week is uh, cardio killing your gains. Which um, we talked a little bit off about, and yeah, kind of the. Is that why you stopped running? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I realised that all my hard work lifting the iron. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> being being really pissed away. Um, no, so I mean, this is probably one of the oldest ones I, I can remember. Is when starting training is that you know you can't do both or one cancels the other. I you know going for a run. Will just uh, wipe out bicep counts. Pardon? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, is not true, is it? No. I think when we're talking about where it comes from, I think, like we said, logically it makes sense in mm. that lifting weights builds muscle, running, cardio. You think of skinny runners or lightweight runners or stereotypically females that might go and spend an hour on the cross trainer and all that kind of stuff because it's you know doing cardio is associated with losing weight lifting Mm. muscle uh, lifting weight is associated with gaining muscle gaining weight so kind of logically it makes sense that the two would counteract each other um however in practicality and reality i think well i know you can do both and especially the way we're training people here a lot of it is geared towards all-round athleticism and day-to-day athleticism I suppose you'd cue it as so there's a bit of aerobic work in there alongside a lot of the strength stuff that we do Um, but yeah I think that's where it comes from it's kind of logically it makes sense doesn't it you've got two stereotypically polar opposites and so it would make sense that you can't do one and the same together 
I think a lot of this also stems, as you say, right back from when bodybuilding became popular. Mm, and yeah. then that's when weight training became popular for gym bros. Yeah. yeah. And then typically bodybuilders didn't do cardio. They might sort of do an hour walking mm. on the treadmill afterwards, but nothing too intense because they thought, well, if I'm trying to maximize muscle gain, that means maximum sort of anabolic work, so building their body up to be bigger, whereas they don't want to do too much work that might break their body down. And so it's only because they're trying to maximize one, they probably minimize the other. Whereas for most people, they're not trying to maximize mm. muscle gain. They're trying to have a bit of all over athleticism, as Rich said, and that can be achieved with doing both. So I think it's just the when bodybuilding became popular, a lot of the practices and general word of mouth becomes, oh, what do they do? Oh, they're not doing this. Oh, it must be because of this. Yeah. Let's tell everyone. Yeah. Cardio kills your games. Yeah. Here's the little and secret. And the myth begins. <laughs> <laughs> I think like you say, when bodybuilding becomes popular and you're looking at someone that's at an extreme, is potentially time in terms of training time and recovery that cardio could take that away. You know, if you're in the gym six, seven times a week plus and you're doing mm. double days of weight training and things like that, then adding an extra cardio um, may seem like it's going to take away one, the training time and two, the recovery process of post lifting weights. Um, but yeah, in a more practical sense, the vast majority of people aren't chasing extremes at either end. And so it's perfectly palatable and uh, normal to put both in alongside each other. We'll talk a little bit, I mean, seeing as we're going into nutrition episode, about how nutrition can play a part in that. Essentially, building muscle, putting on weight, you're going to be trying to eat more calories than you're burning off. And so if anything, adding in a little bit of cardio is going to, to a small degree, increase the volume of food that you're going to be able to eat. Um, alongside that as well as all the nice cardio aerobic benefits that you're going to get from the cardio work itself um, and I'd also argue that people that are cardiovascularly fitter can recover better in the gym post sessions post sets post workouts things like that um, so you can essentially work more volume more intensity when you are lifting your weights so I think there's that positive crossover as well as well as the health benefits yeah yeah, I think as, every, as always, context matters. And so it's whether the cardio pushes you more catabolic as a net outcome than what your other recovery factors mm. sort of all contribute together. So someone might objectively do an hour of cardio after their weights and it not kill their gains, whereas for someone else it might. If someone's already eating in a bit of a sort of calorie deficit or just about maintenance without the cardio and then they add the hour of cardio in that might put them into a sort of net negative and that might restrict from their body being able to build the muscle whereas if someone is eating enough sleeping enough managing their stress all the good stuff that helps repair the body and adapt and get stronger if it is afforded in your energy output then it won't kill your gains so it's again context matters of of how it fits into your plan rather than objectively don't do cardio or 
you'll stay flat. <laughs> it's funny as well, isn't it? How, you know, with the myth that uh, lifting weights is good, cardio when people think of like long steady duration stuff is bad and catabolic, but then hill sprints or like interval style hit workout, yeah. that's also oh, that's good. Really, yeah. yeah, that's good because yeah. you sweat and you're panting heavy. Um, so even though that's cardiovascular work, that's all good. Doesn't kill you, gangs. Yeah. <laughs> Just how the kind of myth goes, isn't it? Yeah, don't run kind of long and steady. If anything, that'll help the recovery and it's going to be easier to manage than... Just some, walk long yeah, and steady. Yeah, yeah. Time. <laughs> Just walk uphill long and steady because um, that's what the bodybuilders do or do some sprints. <laughs> it's like a myth buster. Because that's good. Yeah, yeah. Do some sprints because... 100 meter guys do sprints and they're hench so <laughs> again i think it's all the sort of you know logical steps that people have made so i understand how it gets there and you go people have always said that like marathon runners skinny sprinters muscly so must be yeah. <laughs> how you train so sort of the trouble when the narrative fits it's like huh that story makes sense yeah and I see it. Mm. Must be true. Must be. It has mm. to be. Don't think critically. No. <laughs> Just do it. Cool. So I think, yeah, pretty much another myth, myth busted by Mr. Jury F in the corner. Um, I can't remember the jingle now. <laughs> the outro jingle. Cardio will not kill your gains. If anything, for the general population, is going to be very beneficial and beneficial to your weight training itself. So do it. <laughs> cool. On to the main bulk of the episode. So the nutrition episode. We're first going to get into how we create, how we design a diet plan. Again, with a lot of this stuff, we want to try and get away from this to begin with. So there's always context on how you're setting up your nutrition. Um, there's going to be varying degrees of what it looks like. So we're just going to talk a little bit about the basics of calories, uh, macronutrients, protein and carbs and fats that probably a lot of people have heard about. Um, roughly how, when and why uh, we might take those in. What stuff really matters, you know, that I'd say a lot with nutrition is 90% of the stuff will get you most of the way. And then it's the little individual nuances that people tend to argue over a lot of the time. I actually think if you sat most people down, most trainers, most coaches, they'd probably agree on about 98% of the stuff. And then there's a tiny little bit that they might disagree over. And that's the things that you see on the internet. So we want to try and get the 96, 98% done today. Um, give a little bit of context to it. Yes, explanation of how you might manipulate your diet around training around stress around specific goals in terms of losing weight or gaining weight um and going off it from from that point of view i just want to jump in quickly and mention there's a lot of bias and narratives around just the word and language of diet mm. so yeah. normally some people if they've always been trying to lose weight for a long time they associate the word diet with weight loss mm. so as in you're on a diet rather than we sort of use it in terms of the overall plan of what you're eating, yeah. whether that's a calorie surplus or negative. Um, so it's just clearing up the language that when we're using diet, we just mean overall nutrition plan rather than weight loss plan. 
if anyone jumps in, then they're like, oh, yeah. oh I'm going to learn Doesn't about it... a loop weight loss plan. Doesn't it come from the Greek word? It's like way of life or something yeah. like that. Like and it's been yeah, way of life. bastardised a little bit into this diet is always restrictive and less calories and all that kind of stuff and diet shakes and this and that. Um, so, yeah. Bastardised, great word. Thank Bastardized. you. <laughs> <laughs> it always sounds better from a northerner. <laughs> Um, the strong B. So then, I guess the first thing to get into and what we get asked a lot is how many calories should I be eating, um, specific to goals and things like that. First off, calories are a unit of measurement of energy of how much it takes to burn one calorie. Um, so like we've talked about a little bit when we talk about weighing yourselves and body fat percentage we talked of the other week is trying to make this number an objective data point a lot of the time um, and not specifically around really, really tight restrained numbers. So that's the first thing to say on this. Calorie goals, calorie targets, calorie mm, overviews, whatever you want to call it are always going to be in and around ballpark figures. They vary day to day. It varies week on week, dependent on what you're doing. The calorie amount on the back of packets, I think, is it 20% either way they're allowed yeah. now? Something like that. So the first point to make is don't get too hung up on the calories. What we're looking for is consistency over time. So when, even when we're talking about calorie tracking, some people may do that. Some people may eat a bit more intuitively or eat off what a standardized sort of diet plan i suppose or eat similar stuff week on week and then manipulate it that way um but the first thing to get around is yeah that those numbers have a lot of variation in them um and so do not get too hung up on that one specific point so a lot of the time when people come to us and say what should i be eating again it's context it's relevant to what you've done previously where your goal is going, what you're doing activity-wise. So I think the way we'd start out with a lot of people is literally keep a food diary for a week, whatever that may look like, whether that's tracking calories through an app like MyFitnessPal, whether that's uh, writing down a physical food diary, taking pictures of what they're eating, and then looking at that next to what their strength's doing in the gym, what their body's doing, and then we can start to work roughly work out what we'd call a maintenance diet. So sticking around about the same weight, essentially eating to fuel what you're currently doing. Um, a surplus of calories where you're looking at gaining weight or gaining muscle. So you may be over that maintenance amount or a deficit of calories where you're looking to lose weight um, and eating a little bit less than you're burning off. So that would probably, I think for the most part, be our first port of call with people yeah so with calories um i always like to sort of refer back to it as just like saving money so calories are the unit of measurement rather than an, an actual thing so when people say a calorie is a calorie and it's all the same uh again there can be a lot of arguments in that whereas it's very different from saying a food is a food and so a calorie is just the unit of measurement. It doesn't include the nutrients that are in the food. Mm. So it's very important to sort of distinguish 
calories and food as as slightly different whereas calories is just like a pound a pound can technically be invested in different ways and you can turn a pound into more less and so that's where sort of the quality of a of a diet can impact how those calories come out in real life versus someone who just says oh I manage my numbers and the numbers are correct whereas a lot of people will say oh I'm only eating 1200 calories but I'm not losing weight mm. and this is where the trouble can be because it's like trying to set, tell someone so we're going to try and save money but there are no actual price tag accurate price tags mm. on the right. things you're purchasing yeah. you are on a different income every single day where it's not actually a set number so you can't really plan because it can change on how much you move in a day what yeah. you eat sleep blah 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 um and then telling people so we're going to try and well do your profit and loss account to make it accurate and push you in the direction you want but at the same time it's based on the reality of losing weight, gaining weight, rather than if we think the numbers are correct and then saying this should happen. It's very difficult mm. because, again, like Rich said, we're working in ballparks. We're working on guesstimates and our best guess rather than science because the only way to accurately do it would be, say, <clears throat> to go into Star Trek and have someone... <laughs> physically analyzed food. all of your body <laughs> blueprint mm. as well as all the food you eat whereas there's no way you can do it yeah and so that's why it's just important to to again keep one eye on the sort of strictness as in food within its isolation of food and diet whereas also then how it fits into the big picture yeah i think takeaway from that is that don't get hung up and don't get too stressed on I'm eating X amount, but I'm still not losing weight and I've been doing this for such amount of time. Um, I can think specifically with clients that we've had in the past, one very recently, say um, a guy that's fairly inactive during his day job, trains quite hard, trains quite a lot, in and around about 80 kilos and he was losing weight. Um but still maintaining a good amount of strength and energy in the gym in and around 1600 calories. And from the outside, that might seem pretty low, but you've got to take it in context of other metrics. Like I say, we're looking at his strength in the gym. So 1600 calories that he's tracking may in reality be 2000 calories, 1800 calories. It doesn't really matter what that specific number is. We're just looking at trying to get consistency so if you're dieting at a certain amount or trying to lose weight at a certain amount or gain weight at a certain amount and the scales aren't moving or the strength isn't moving, whatever metric you're using outside of that isn't changing, then you're going to have to manipulate likely one side of that. Um, and it's not going to be sort of super specific. You can't just go, I'll eat 100 calories less. A day or something like that and it's quite often I'd say when we're looking at gaining weight or losing weight with people we'd go a little bit in excess to start off with to get the th get the ball moving get the ball rolling and it gives you that degree of fluctuation on 
like we talked about, the variety or the variance that can be in calories on the back of a packet, the inaccuracy in tracking, not to say someone that's someone is lying about how they are tracking, but there's all sorts of reasons, you know, misquoting weight of food, all that kind of stuff, um, misquoting labels, whatever it might be. So we tend to go a little bit heavier one way or the other if someone is trying to lose weight or put weight on, and we can always adjust from there. The key for us is educated guesswork to start out with, and then we manipulate as we go along. And I think that's key for anyone starting out their own diet plan. <clears throat> tracking those metrics, seeing how it's looking like in terms of your energy levels, your strength in the gym and where the scale is going potentially, um, and then working from there. And it's always gonna take a period of adaptation. So don't get too hung up on specific numbers. It's using it as trying to gain consistency and then work out from there. I just wanna add in a quickly, just a lot of people tend to be scared of calories, whereas it's I think it's beneficial and important to remember that calories of sort of the unit of energy that that the body pays for everything within its network so calories and the energy and food pays for maintaining your heart maintaining your blood maintaining your brain maintaining your skin maintaining your nails maintaining everything so it's it is just like the finance of the body and mm. and it's important to remember that if if when you do cut down your calories a lot you're physiologically going to have less energy to do all of those magical, wonderful things that the body does with, with its energy, um, such as maintaining all of your health and skin in bits and pieces, which is why a lot of people tend to feel worse, look worse, if they are highly restricting their calories because their body won't have as much energy to do all of the general basic yeah. health human things that we do in a day rather than just isolating it within their fitness, it's gonna have an impact on their mood outside of the gym. So I think it's just important to remember that calories are good in terms of they pay for everything that the body does and you just have to be aware of cutting down will have a negative impact on that. Having a bit more might actually be have a positive. So it's just again, context, don't be afraid of calories. It's just a unit of energy but it does pay for everything that the body does. Sure. Mm. Sure. So I think that's the base of how we'd go about setting up um, a plan for someone to start with, a little bit of an intro into calories, and then breaking that down into macronutrients. Um, so some of you might have heard these words before, not necessarily no context or how or what or why um, we talk about them or we split them up. Um, so going into protein, carbohydrates and fats, how would we go about looking at that? What's kind of the hierarchy we look at, um, when we're setting that, setting up a meal plan for someone? So I think protein comes first, isn't it? Protein's the, the, the most important within those three, um, because it obviously helps with rebuilding, um, obviously with the breakdown of. Uh, stimulus from training it helps with rebuilding that um, the carbs and fats um, kind of in that order really isn't it it's that level of hierarchy um, in terms of how much obviously that's varied down to the person individual um, but protein um, was it 1.6 grams per kilo per, 
per um, for the overall individual. So that's how we roughly loosely work out how much that protein, uh, how much protein that individual needs. Um, and then that will obviously give you a calorie input into how much energy. And then you can kind of work off the other two, what I normally do, work off the other two with that individual. So obviously how much training they're doing and fats, etc., um, will help balance the playing field. Yeah. I'd say, so protein, carbs, and fats, <coughs> um, essentially making up food. So a gram of protein or a gram of carbohydrate would be four calories. A gram of fat works out around nine calories so in terms of units of energy. Um, proteins, yeah, right, is the first one that we'd go off. Reason being for that, like Josh is saying, rebuilding from a lot of the training we're doing. Um, not only that, you're talking about rebuilding of hair, skin, nails, certain organs, all that kind of stuff. Essentially, pretty much anything in the body, anything structural. Think of it a bit like a building block. Um, so that's why we harp on about it quite a lot. It's not just the protein shakes and bodybuilders. You're looking at things like generally any sort of meat product, dairy product, um, some vegan options and things like that. You've got corn, all that kind of stuff that's going to be high in protein um so that's how we'd go about kind of upping that for a lot of people but yeah in the range of i'd say i mean um what's the word for it the gda the daily amounts guideline daily amounts for people normally sit around about i think it's 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight mm. um it's kind of based off some fairly old sort of science and to be fair, a lot of it giving out information to the general population and general public, you're trying to tick as many boxes as possible. Um, we'd say optimally, you're probably looking like Josh says about doubling that, so in and around 1.6. You can go fairly high on this. Someone, we might have quite a few people in around two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. The only caveat I'd get into that, if someone is carrying a lot of weight, a lot of fat, essentially, then you might have to vary that a little bit and you might be working off more of a leaner body mass. So if someone is particularly overweight and you're setting out a diet plan, then obviously their numbers are going to be skewed slightly on the amount of protein mm. intake for that individual. There's been a lot of talk in the past about kidney issues and issues of overeating protein unless generally unless you have an underlying condition that doesn't really come to the fore mm. um you have to be in hugely excessive amounts i think yeah. the vast vast majority of people we'd see would struggle to eat that amount um for an extended period of time and and it does come down to any kind of underlying issue more than it's going to promote prevalence of that um if you are concerned about that, then yeah, seeking kind of professional help from a doctor or health advice, something like that is, is going to be more applicable. Um, but for the most part, that's, that's not going to be an issue, but protein's the first one we're going to look at for sure. Um, like we say, the recovery process, it becomes even more important. I think actually it's kind of counterintuitively when people are looking to lose weight because it becomes quite muscle sparing. Um, to say that you know when you're in a deficit of calories and you're looking to lose weight, keeping the protein nice and high can work for a few reasons. One, it's gonna help us hang on to as much strength and as much muscle mass as we can whilst we're losing weight. Mm -hmm. 
Generally, it's going to be more satiating, so it's going to help you feel a bit more full than the other macronutrients. That is up to a little bit of debate, to be fair. I think some people feel more full off certain things, but generally, um, as a rule of thumb, it is going to help you feel a bit more full. A plate of chicken more than a plate of donuts is going to help you feel a bit more full up <laughs> in terms of food volume. Um, a minimal effect, you've got the thermogenic effect of food, which is essentially it costs the body calories to digest the food and protein is on the higher end of that compared to carbohydrates mm. and fats. It's probably not something that we'd want to pay too much attention to or factor in, but it is worth noting just in terms of when you're dieting that it can be of benefit. Yeah, especially with protein, like Rich said, it's uh, sort of very structural. So it's with all of the sort of macronutrients, they're basically building blocks of the body. And so protein is basically broken down and then rebuilt back up in different ways within the body. And that includes everything structural. So skin, organs, everything that you think of structurally within the body uh, will be built up from that. It's just we mostly think of muscle and protein, um, whereas it's everything. And so it tends to be a sort of rule of the body will do what it can with what it gets. And so if you're not getting enough protein, um, then your body has sort of two options. It can either do less, so as in it will try to slow down, do less structural building than it needs because it can't afford, if the brain sort of realizes, oh, I'm not getting enough protein, I'd better slow down muscle building, I'd better slow down skin repair and bits and pieces. Um, or it has the option of using its own storage of protein. And so that's where you can sort of get muscle wastage. So if you're not getting enough external protein from the outside world, you've got an internal storage of protein sources. And so your body can break that down. And then that's where people get muscle wastage. And, you know, you don't have as glorious skin, etc. Um, and so it's always a good thing. I tend to think most people do better having more protein. Yeah. I think that's a good general rule of thumb. And then, again, it's very individual based on what your training level is, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, which is a lot harder to go into. But generally, having more protein and having protein with every meal is sort of a very good basic starting point for, yeah. covers for a, a lot, diet. It? Yeah, it covers all bases. I think if you sit at that 1.6 <clears throat> and work out from there, you're going to be covering most. Yeah eventualities um, is going to give you a good ballpark figure. Um, there's all sorts of nuance. I mean, I know young lads going to the gym, for example, or young people going to the gym that really want to stack on muscle and they'll be like, more protein, more protein, more protein. That works to an extent. I'd say if you're sat between 1.6 up to 2 grams, um, you're pretty much going to cover yourself in terms of muscle building and recovery. There's an argument, actually, a lot of the science saying that you know, leaner and more um, people carrying more muscle mass are more adept at utilizing protein. So there's even potential argument to say that someone that's gymming a lot of the time and <clears throat> um, growing might not necessarily need as much. But yeah, I'd say that's going to give you a ballpark that 1.6 to 2 grams uh, is going to set out the protein. So on to carbohydrates and fats. How do we generally go about splitting that up? What do we kind of look for? 
setting out the diet plan. Uh, so, again, thinking of um, energy, so carbohydrates and fats are both energy you um, building blocks, and so carbs tend to be used by the body in more for more intense exercise and energy demands, whereas fats tend to be used as a more sort of like low level fuel throughout the day. So it, I think it's important to remember that we're always breaking down and utilizing energy because if we didn't have energy we would die yeah um, and so it's sort of especially when people tend to talk between carbs and fats and which ones are best to make you lose weight and uh, blah 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 it's important to remember that you're always breaking down a combination of the protein carbs and fats in a different sort of amount thrown into the furnace um, and so if you're using more or if you're doing more intense exercise, you probably need more carbohydrates. Whereas if you're not doing as much intense exercise, you probably don't need as many carbs. But again, context matters of how that fits into the whole of the calorie balance that we mentioned towards the beginning. Um, so it's more once you've hit your, because I see a lot of it, if you hit your calories and your protein targets, then the carbs and fats are basically like what's left over of your spending for the day. And personal preference, it doesn't matter too much outside of how you feel, whether you're fueling intense exercise or not. And then it's personal preference of whether you enjoy fattier foods like avocados, butters, bits and pieces yeah. versus rice, pastas, couscous, etc. I personally um, would do the, yeah, I'd probably have more fats than carbs my personal preference yeah i'd say if you wanted to stick a number to something or you wanted a bit of a layout then potentially I'm, i think most people are going to do this anyway like david says if they hit the calories and they hit the protein but in and around 0.8 to 1 gram mm -hmm. per kilo of body weight from a fat point of view from good sources of fat i know people might hate that term but good sources of fat of nuts and avocados and meat or whatever it might be um oils that kind of stuff will tick off any health covering benefits in terms of fats um certain fat soluble vitamins and things like that they're getting transported around the body so that might give you a little bit of a ballpark but for mm. the most part carbs and fats are going to be down to the individual preference specific on what sport you're doing for sure um, like David said, short, sharp intensity work is pretty much going to be carbohydrate um, that is going to be used as the main source of energy. I think for shorter training sessions or in and around about an hour, most of that is going to be fueled by a meal that you've eaten the meal before the night before or even the lunchtime previous of the sorry of the previous day because um, we store around about the average person around about 2000 calories worth of carbohydrate um in muscles and things like that so you're you're pretty much going to have a surplus of that for the most part um and then anything i know there's a lot of debate around longer steadier duration stuff of people using more fats for energy again up for debate and very individual um but yeah it's going to be down to a preference more than anything i'd say anecdotally potentially from 
a dieting point of view. Like Josh has said, it's going to be quite individual. He might prefer a higher fat diet. Going back to um, calorie content of each macronutrient, carbohydrate, you can potentially have a bit more volume in terms of food because per gram of carbohydrate, you've got four calories versus nine from fats. Um, so yeah, there is potential there that you can get a bit more volume in terms of the food you bang for your buck in terms of food volume from carbohydrate um but yeah very individual yeah sometimes it can just be uh thinking as individuals how your stomach deals with things so i know there's a lot of arguments and debates about gluten um mm. but i think unless you are celiac you're probably fine having gluten but then similarly it's just like someone who might be lactose intolerant couple of us here um and so you can you can have it it's not going to give you an allergic reaction but it just might give a little bit of digestive distress mm. um but that can be the case of of any food, any food yeah because of the different nutrients in it outside of just the protein carbs and fats um and that's where it's like we were mentioning earlier it's important to get a an individual look at someone's diet of what foods they like if you start taking a food diary, it just brings a bit more awareness around what you're eating. Without awareness, it can be very easy to eat something, not feel very good afterwards, but then you don't put it down to the food you just ate, you put it down to everything else going on yeah. in your life. So just a bit of awareness can help you as an individual figure out what foods give you a bit of stomach distress, which ones don't. Um, because from our point of view, we might, you know, say oh these are good sources of nutrients but if it gives you digestive distress then then it's up to finding something else that ticks those boxes other than the specific objective foods it's i always like to sort of use blueberries as a a good thing where everyone's like no blueberries are fine they're good superfoods whereas if for example there's something in it that gives you digestive distress it's probably no longer a superfood yeah. no one wants to have digestive distress hence it's good to find other food so it's always just yeah. being aware of how individual foods make you feel sometimes it can be as tough as it's not just one food it's when it's combined with something else so this is where again the sort of two percent of what people might not agree on it can be difficult because there's so many different factors going on in how nutrients interact with other nutrients in different portions in the body and blah 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 it's complicated but yeah. <laughs> at the same time that's where it's it's that's around it talking mm. giving feedback giving adjustments so there is no do this and you'll be fine that's why it's always just explaining everything trying to find the principle and then divvying up different methods that we think might work but then requires feedback from you as an individual to say whether it yeah, cool. I think the uh, final piece of the puzzle for some people that we might talk about is supplementation. I think it's something we'll get onto in another podcast because it's quite a minefield and a deep top topic and we want to give it a bit more context and to just gloss over and mention um, a few things. So we'll we'll get onto that in another podcast. Um, talking a little bit overall about We've given sort of a breakdown of calories, how you might want to lay things out, protein, carbohydrates and fats. A lot of terms that get thrown around are good carbs, bad carbs, good fats, bad fats, that kind of thing. 
I think as we talk about a lot of the time in fitness, and we've probably already mentioned it quite a few times on this podcast, is context to everything. And what's far more important um, is the overall diet that we look at. So on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and how that plays into the overall picture, rather than specifically an individual cake or brownie that David might be eating right now. <laughs> Tell Sasha she um, one. It's her birthday. It's my brownie. Yeah. Oh wait, I've just told everyone. Damn it! I think those things. You know, everyone's got that friend that they know that works in the office, and they seem to get away with eating cake and biscuits or croissant or whatever it might be all the time, and they're still whatever skinny or in shape or whatever you might want to call it. I think for the most part, and this is something that we have. Um, generally over time and education working in fitness they have a good understanding of what their body needs that might not be on a conscious level but fairly intuitively and that if they're eating it's someone's birthday in the office and they have a bit big bit of cake they'll probably eat a bit lighter that later that evening or whatever it might be and so a lot of it is just down to context so try not to get frustrated and hung up on um comparing against other people and oh they've eaten this and they still managed to do this or they feel fine again like we talked about with allergies and all that kind of stuff it's very individual as well um so context around the good good carbs good fats all that kind of stuff bad carbs bad fats there's nothing really that you could categorize as good or bad i think the um example always given by Alan Aragon was talking about being on a desert island and would you rather have, you know, a burger or a tub of ice cream or a stick of celery or a half a punnet of blueberries? Like one of you, one one of those is going to make you last a lot longer than the other. Um, and so in context, good food versus bad food. Um, I know it's a bit of a ridiculous analogy, but um, good food and bad food doesn't necessarily really stack up when you look at it deep, a little bit deeper and it's uh, more to do with the overall mm. diet itself. I think also, uh, wait, what's the quote? Uh, the dose makes the poison. Mm. And so all foods will have, I don't know, let's just say toxins, um, which you'll see on Instagram and they'll say, oh my God, the toxins in blueberries yeah. actually interact with the body in this way, in this way, in this way, and mm. you're going to die. Whereas too. really toxins are dealt with by the body naturally. And it's just a case of like anything, you've got a seesaw. If your toxin intake is greater than your ability to deal with toxins, bad things will probably happen. Yep. But again, what that dose is, Who knows? God knows. For sure. Yeah. Um, but again, that's why we always like to go back to how how a client is feeling. If they're always feeling run down and crap, then it's easier to sort of really go a bit deeper into what they're doing, but then also focusing on the big rocks. It could just be stress management and sleep rather than the small little toxins in the one food, <laughs> in that one donut that they ate. Um, so yes, when yeah. people sort of talk about good foods and bad foods and um processed foods ultra processed foods etc it's how it all fits into the whole um how you're feeling day to day generally and the dose makes the poison so one donut isn't going to kill anyone whereas 10,000 donuts in one go as much as i would love to give it a, a whirl probably not for the best <laughs> no not the best so again sure. context 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 um bad foods quote unquote can be fit into a 
healthy quote unquote diet yeah um it's just sort of like spending it would be like the equivalent of saying you can't save money if you spend money on i don't know cl nice clothing the answer is well it depends if you can afford to spend yeah. that money on nice clothing it's Set different for everyone some people might be able to some people might not um and that's just the same with the tasty delicious bad foods that instagram says you can't have if it fits in then it fits in and it does come back down to the experience and the experience with that balance and how you kind of present it and how you like rich said that level of you're aware of you just had a massive hunk of check uh, hunk of check hunk of kick and uh, you'll have something slightly lighter that evening or the next day mm. so it is down to experience too I think just to wrap up, if we talk about overall implementation of a diet um, diet and a diet plan, whether that's gaining weight, losing weight or maintaining, um, whatever it might be, to recap on how we'd start out is a lot of educated guesswork on getting people to track in whatever capacity that may look like, whether that's tracking calories or tracking from a food diary point of view or pictures, and then look about look at how that is affecting their mood, their energy levels, their training in the gym and their weight going up and down. Um, we'd work off that kind of basis and not to get too stuck to one individual number. These things do fluctuate um, and you do have to manipulate things as you go along. It's educated guesswork combined with um, some adjustment and adaptation as you go. Mm -hmm. The next thing we'd look at is going into macronutrient breakdown, so protein, carbohydrates and fats. Again, like we've talked about, protein is going to be the first one we'll look at, looking in and around about 1.6 to 2 grams per kilo of body weight is a good start point, I think a good benchmark for everyone. Um, and then carbohydrates and flat fats generally are going to be um, off an individual basis, individual preference um, on how you want to eat and what your training dictates. Um, that might be something we will look at a bit more specifically down the line in terms of fueling performance and things like that. Um, and then the final bit on top of that is going to be supplementation. How you break that down over your day, whether that be over two meals, five meals, snacks in between or whatever, again, comes down to individual preference. We'll do a little bit more of that on future podcasts, looking at specific diet protocols and how that might fit essentially they're all looking to do the same thing it's just what fits the the person um down to their preference their eating habits their day-to-day -day life um and the fueling required for whatever they're doing from a training perspective and a living perspective um it's more plugging holes than for sure basing yeah. anything on for sure i think that's everything covered and we've got through today so that's our nutrition episode our cardio kills gains mythbusters job done uh we fired a few flew a few shots at blueberries today uh they've been in the they've been in the sites rather than local gyms <laughs> for this week um, they won't get us. yeah but that's everything from us uh cheers guys